It's Wednesday, September 18th, and this is Rev Thoughts, snackable conversations between Tim Thompson and myself, Joel Pilger. Our topic today is greatness, goal or byproduct. So greetings from uh, Los Angeles. I'm doing the the usual trek of, uh, say, 13 miles to go across town, and it's going to take me 55 minutes. <laughs> yeah, perfect. I was in Los Angeles on this weekend, and my third kid, I was dropping him off, Seamus, and he grew up there when he was little, but to reacquaint himself to it. And he was asking some of those very nice questions, like, how long will it take? And you, and you just <laughs> smile. <laughs> you say, and you say, yeah, you don't want to know. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad we can chat and squeeze in this little rev thoughts opportunity, because you said something earlier today when you and I were chatting about this mindset that I thought was really cool. And I'm trying to think of how you express it. It was sort of the idea of, is greatness something that you actually achieve, like an outcome or result, or is it a mindset? Does that sort of put uh, my finger on the the point that you were making? Well, that's a good question, regardless of <laughs> what I was making. <laughs> right. Because, <laughs> um, you know, like greatness in of itself, what do they say? Greatness is thrust upon you, right? So I don't know if you can necessarily set out to be great. Um, I think things are great um, based on a body of work or, you know, the integrity of of decisions, probably discipline in the process, even giving things up, you know, knowing what to walk away from and and sticking with something Mm -hmm. regardless of if anyone else believes you. And that's, you know, being in New York City, what's so interesting is that all these art museums, it's, I'm always curious on how, you know, these artists are the ones that stand out um, and how history has chosen certain artists, no matter what museum you're in, when uh, Picasso is in that museum, it's a, it's a art of, of notoriety. And it's it, it's interesting, and and then to you know to study any of his life, and I've only done a little, but to recognize how often he was willing to start over or mm. to experiment, to think there was something else, something better, I guess, um, and not just the status quo. Um, so there is someone of just discipline and and drive and desire, and he became great. I don't know if he was always great, or even a right. great person. Well, this- I'm not even sure he was. Well, you, we were talking about this. Let's, let's put one little example out there that's a common narrative that we hear from studio and agency owners and uh, even maybe some, from some production companies. And it goes something like this. Yeah, you know, my, uh, my little company, we're, we're doing good and we're making progress, but we're not Buck. Now, of yeah, course, right. I just use the term. Buck, because Buck is this darling in our industry that's been wildly successful. They do beautiful work, obviously, at the top of their game. Uh, and God bless them for that, right? We obviously celebrate um, everything that, that they've accomplished. But it's almost like there's this mindset that's revealed by that owner that says, well, yeah, if everything went my way, if everything was grand, then my life, my business would be like that. But obviously that's not going to happen because I'm not Buck. And then there's this resignation or something. And I'm wondering, what is that? 
Yeah, it's so interesting, right? Because there are there are certain companies, and let's say the the reputation of those companies, you know, I don't know, like they create a a measuring stick for other businesses to know what they want to achieve or to give inspiration for direction. Um, and we've heard that from some of the podcasts that you've done. Um, it feels like many of the business owners will talk about another company that inspired them to get them started. And then um, we'll say some of the great ones that you've um, interviewed, you can tell when they stepped away. So they were inspired by another great company, but in order for them to become great, they had to step away. They had to do something different. Um, And it's, it's interesting, isn't it? How we want to, or we get in this industry to stand out and to be part of something, but to, to just go along with someone else's, business or someone else's um, direction, you know when you're a copycat and when you have to do something different in order to um, stand out as an, as an individual company or, or, or an individual artist. Yeah. Well, I, I'm reminded, uh, was it just last week when I remember I had Marcel from State in, in Confab, our, our weekly forum, and he was so great telling the story of how state designs made this transition from yeah everyone was calling us and saying can you just can you do this project like buck and he said i got to a place where i said just call buck <laughs> but that meant that meant, yeah and of course that's why we love marcel right but i know we, sh- we shared this clip i think in seven ingredients and a bunch of people were high-fiving and saying amen and all that because there was a point in his journey when marcel said hey i have a voice i have a point of view and I'm gonna go for it, and I don't have to continue, I don't know, making excuses or resigning myself to something lesser. Uh, and that, that that took time, it took intention, it took follow through and courage and all that. But obviously the, they're, they're now reaping the benefits of making those investments. Yeah, you know, you know uh, what's interesting, Joel, is like just between the two of us. So you <laughs> took a path of being, uh, uh, that individual that started a business to set themselves apart early on. Um, and at the same time you were doing that, I was a person working for companies. So I, I wasn't really the decision maker if the company was going to be great or not. I really just got a job and, and was happy to have a job and did whatever, whatever work there was at the moment, right? That's how, how sure. I chose to get started in the business. Um, um, in, in my past, you know, my first job was the American Music Awards and then the Oscars and then RGA, um, which we did the title sequence for seven. Um, that became Imaginary Forces. A very small group of us got that started. Um, and then I left Imaginary Forces. I went to Ewan Company. I went to Trailer Park and then Rev Fink. So uh, like the path I was in was this Hollywood based um, kind of front end growing businesses. And each one I went to would double in size in the time I was there. So each of them had some growth and some notoriety um, to separate them at that time. I hear that list and I'm like, yeah, when are you going to work, finally work somewhere that that someplace somebody's heard of? (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) I know, such a boring career. But what's funny is, is that I think from the, I recognize more as you leave a place from the outside, looking in, it's perceived as one way. But from the inside, I, you know, I would agree that I think the stuff we did at Imaginary Forces was great. I think it was a great company. There was great people. 
um, nobody was afraid of working extra hours or doing something else because it was very rewarding on all, all levels. But it's not like we started one day and say, oh, cool, we're going to be great and it's there. We just did work. But something yeah. happened in the energy of the company that we knew we were onto something and we could repeat it over and over and over again. In, in your case, you are a business owner of 20 years, which, which has its own um, kind of bubble of success. Um, huge achievements, plenty of um, revenue, legacy of employees, but it's not one that everyone heard of um, and was being called on. But you would, you, no. would argue, you would say, well, you had some greatness also, regardless if anyone ever heard the name Impossible. Yeah, I think, yeah. And it's interesting because I, in the, in the years that I was running that studio, if people had said, are you, you know, is Impossible Pictures great? I think out of deference and, and uh, respect for the people in the industry that I thought were truly great, I would say, no, we're really good, but we're going to be great. Like we're, we're getting there. Um, but you, I heard an interesting nuance in something you just said back there a second ago, because I've been asking, asking this question in actually in preparation for the, the dinner we're doing here next week in LA for cohort. And it's this question of is, is greatness a goal or is it a byproduct? And because I, I heard actually this sermon recently that was really cool where this guy made this point and he said that the do flows from the who. So in other words, it's not a goal that of doing. We're gonna we're going to do great work. That rather the better goal is we are going to be a great company. Like it's the who. Who are you becoming? And once you become clear about that, then the rest starts to happen. And I almost get that sense that that's part of the magic that happened at Imaginary Forces was there were great people saying, we aspire to do great things together and be great people and be a great company. And then out of that flowed great work. But you, I don't know. I'm just asking. Is that, does that describe yeah, what was happening? It, it is funny. It's like, um, it's a who, but it was, it's definitely a belief system because in my mind, as you're talking, I'm thinking about all the different combinations of people I worked with. Um, it was never always the same team and the same group um, hitting the achievements. Right. We had different creative directors, different producers, different editors, different artists. We had kids coming out of Design Center. We had people that had uh, came out of Yale 20 years prior. You know, all this <laughs> variety of, of background and experience. Um, but there was almost a belief that we were going that we were doing something, we loved what we did, right? That we we're going to do something great and we weren't afraid of asking questions. Um, so you, you know me, like the, one of the things I ask the most is the question, why? And I felt like imaginary forces at the time kept asking the question, why? Why would it look this way? Why would we produce it? Where does the why come from? And when, you're, when you drag that out of a, of a story or a movie or even a, a logo for a company, to know why it should look this way, and then to not let go until it does exactly what it's supposed to do. I feel like that's um, like was a shared belief. And now we work with many, many production companies, and there's magic inside of each of them. And some struggle with that belief. They can have some financial success, but struggle with that belief. And others, they're small, but are achieving great things. Um, and it doesn't matter the size or the finances, 
but they're pushing beyond the current limits or being known for a certain personality, uh, setting a new edge. Um, and it's very exciting to be around them regardless of, of what the world might know of them yet at this point. Um, yeah, and I love yeah. the, the idea that that they you get to define what is greatness for you. Because you're right, there's some creative entrepreneurs that we we work with. Like I'm thinking of um, my friend Maria, who said, for me, greatness is having myself and one employee, everyone else is freelance, and I, I do really good work and have a great lifestyle called I take two months off each year and travel the world. And some other owners would say, that's not great. But to her, that is great. And that's a very satisfying a why for her that drives her. Yeah, I might argue with you that I'm not really sure the people that are doing great work are satisfied. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, may, very maybe often. the lack of satisfaction is what making them achieve it. Well, that and I mean, there's an interesting yeah question there. Is it that is it that that never being satisfied that drives it's almost a manic or an insanity that drives you to create greatness? It's that pursuit of greatness that actually enables you to achieve it even though you believe you've never achieved it <laughs> which is which is sad because obviously uh that could be a very unsatisfying life but yeah i think you're right there there are some companies that that are stuck in that what what's the encouragement to those people that might be great but don't feel like they can celebrate it or embrace it or admit it yeah i, I mean first of all it'd be hard to to um have a topic like this and, and not recognize Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, and recognizing mm -hmm. what those companies did differently that excelled them beyond the, the current common, the common understanding or the, the common sense of achievement. Um, so what makes Apple step out from, from all the competition when the, when the time came down to it? And it wasn't Apple by itself. It was something that Steve Jobs specifically did when he was involved. Um, and it, to me, there's a there's a there's that key per, pe person or key people, um, and I think first of all they know that they that they are winners, that they can do it, and they're not going to let go until they they can. And then there are people that are engaged with them that also want that same kind of achievement. So you know, first I think it starts with someone. It doesn't even have to be the the primary leaders, but somebody in the organization has to first kind of step up, start talking up the fact that it can be done and we are they and it's and magic will, will happen. Um, I think of Justin Barnes, the interview you did recently with him um, from Versus and his sense of attitude of he knew he was going to win. Like that's it. And, and lo and behold, he is. I mean, it's, he's doing wonderful yeah. in the process. Well, I'm thinking back to when I, in my years as an owner, I'm, I had this, maybe it's foolish naivete early on. And it was, it expressed itself this way, that, gosh, yes, there are companies out there, Buck didn't exist at the time, but in, in my day, it was, uh, say, Novocom or Telezine or Pittard Sullivan, right? And what I told myself was, well, until somebody says, no, you can't do that, I'm going to play at that level, even though at the time I was not nowhere near that level. But that 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 attitude of 
I think I can be great and I'm willing to put myself out there and try and get that meeting, try and connect with that person, try and solve that problem, develop that expertise. And until somebody says, no, Joel, you suck, go away. I'm just going to keep showing up. And there was some sort of a magic in that, because I think yeah. if you fast forward 10 or 20 years later, a lot of people would say, well, that was sort of the difference maker is that you just believed I'm going to win. And until someone tells me, no, you're a loser and you and please stop showing up or stop bothering us, <laughs> I was going to keep at it. And it worked. Yeah, I think that's there's a lot to be said in that. Um, I think there's another thing I, I recognize, and uh, this might come from another, another Jim Collins book, the Built to Last one, is that great organizations push people out that don't belong. So in oh, that right. sense of belief, there's also a sense of belonging. And I can tell you lots of stories of people that had gone through many of the companies I worked for, and they just couldn't make it. Um, I, I'll even say this, I, you know, even with the companies that we consult, We've learned among the four of us, five of us at RevSync, that when we start down a certain client, we can recognize, oh, this one's not for me. This is for you, Joel. Um, because there are <laughs> right. certain things of personality types we recognize, I'll click, um, you'll click, Jason will click. And we know that when, when you hear it and there's a certain kind of push, you go, oh, that's, we know who should get involved in that, in that standard. Um, so I think there's something, um, a reality of that, that within that system, organization actually, it actually pushes people out. Um, but I almost feel like people have a responsibility in that if you're working for a great company and you're doing great things and somebody inside the company doesn't believe it, convert them or, you know, have them realize that they don't belong. Um, so that yeah. that doesn't start create, creating like the seed of discontent and populating the, the business and doing harm. Well, maybe this is that, you know, the, I'm thinking of that concept in good to great when Jim Collins talks about get, get the wrong people off the bus, get the right people on the bus and then figure out where the bus is going. But that you have to, you have to be willing to let go of this myth of greatness. And that is, Oh, we're always growing. We're always getting bigger because sometimes the right move is, Oh, I need to actually let these people move on take a step back, retreat, shrink, regroup in order to move forward and be great in, in a deeper, yeah. truer sense. Yeah, yeah that's hard I, for owners. That's really hard for owners to uh, to embrace that because there's this thing. Gosh, anytime I have to let somebody go, it just feels like failure, even though it's a pruning. It's a, it's like a, we're going to let this tree grow better, stronger, healthier. Uh, but it re requires some some trimming and some cutting and and that's painful. Absolutely. Imaginary forces, we we almost seasonally had cutbacks and um, it was like pruning. It hurt. There was people that I, I didn't want to uh, have uh, let go um, that I was responsible for and had to let go. As a matter of fact, it, it, that was kind of the, the final tipping point for me. And when I decided it's time for me to go was then at the point in time where there was a I had the relationship with the company and um, one of these pruning seasons came along. I felt like it was very pointed towards me and the decisions I was making and the people I was working with. And I thought to myself, I think I'm done. You know, like I, I think I've rebuilt this thing 
five or six times already. I don't know if I'm up for another another round of it. And yeah. you know, the company the company kept going. It, it was doing as an organization, as a business. Um, those leaders could could retain the momentum they needed to, even though key ownership changes, even account changes, and still can achieve uh, greatness. So there's something beyond those small key um, factors that we think of as sometimes big, like a certain client or a certain person, or even location, certain location. So one more thing, or maybe one last thing I've, I've kind of recognized around um, greatness is it's often, uh, often great companies start from and have some anchor of a few great accounts. So there's something that they contributed to their client that makes them great. So it's not just having the top artist, but it's what they did for others. That other other peopleness, I talk about it a lot in the four stages of a creative career, but I, it's also true of a company. The other peopleness is what employees did you bring on and how did they grow within your business? And when they leave, what legacy are you putting out there as they walk away? And clients as well. They, they, like these major accounts are often things that set people apart. Um, the example that comes to my head, and maybe it's a little bit lame because lame it's so obvious, but something like if if you had a company today and you got an account at Apple, you would think you achieved something because you are now qualified to work with one of the top corporations of the world. In reality, you're just writing the coattails of a shy day that did that many, many years ago. So the real great company was the was shy day or Wyden Kennedy with Nike. Those are the companies that made the brand the brand. And now to work with Nike today would be really fun, but uh, Wyden Kennedy did, did that. Um, so I think in, in our own journey to recognize when the time comes to step up and to make your own moment. David Fincher was an outstanding director. He wasn't as well known when we did the title sequence for Seven with him. Um, he wasn't as well known as Robert Redford or Spielberg or, or uh, Clint Eastwood or those other companies, other directors we were working with, but clearly when the contribution was right and the chemistry was there and, and we made the title sequence for seven, it propelled David's career and imaginary forces and Kyle Cooper. Many careers were made, made from that one, one kind of key moment. Yeah, it's always nice. It's refreshing to hear the, the perspective of the day when Fincher was not all that and it's like oh and i guess that's true of spielberg and i guess it's true of lucas and <laughs> like all greatness at one point was not and then something happened and something came about and now we all point to it and say ah there it is but clearly yeah. it wasn't there and then and then it was yeah and i think that obsession to want something better so um maybe even to wrap it up you know my encouragement would be in the from the from just being a, a witness to many companies, um, to the many that we are. And we, and we know many now all over the world that um, it's, it's awesome to have these engagements and to know these business owners. The conversations we have at cohort, sometimes I look around the table and I think, Joel, we are the luckiest people in the world because we have sure. some of the greatest minds in this industry processing forward what, what changes or what opportunities they're looking for, what, what issues they have and possible solutions for them. Um, it's pretty great to be in the room where, where that happens. But I, I think anybody who's listening to this podcast that has a desire to be great, that is the answer. 
simple desire and then doing it and knowing that you are, therefore you will be. Um, and that, you know, that amazing saying that we have that the best way to deal with the future is to create it. You can almost say the best way to be great is to create it. And that push and desire is, we'll, we'll get you there every time. I love that. And I love that you put it that way, that simply that give people permission to desire because that's a beautiful, powerful thing and follow it because it will take you to places of greatness. So thank you yeah. for saying that. Of course. Yeah, desire and curiosity. Nothing beats those two key elements inside of us, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, well, I hope this podcast was great. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well, the desire's there and certainly the curiosity. Right. <laughs> I want to tell you about a place to connect that you might not know about. It's our online community called Rev Community. It's a great place to get to know other creative business owners like yourself, to share some thought leadership and read other encouragement, to be challenged in this new marketplace, new technology, ideas, economic trends, and it's a place to research. Check out many of the resources we have online, our videos, and of course, this podcast. Join us today at revthink.com slash community. If you're a creative studio owner, feel free to join us today at revthink.com slash community. I look forward to seeing you there.